to all of the moms in the room. Thank you. Thank you for all of the prayers that you've wondered if they'll ever be answered. Thank you for the nights when you stayed awake worrying about your kids. If you've ever wondered whether or not the love will ever be reciprocated, you need to know God understands how you feel. But may you know you have God's blessing today. For the ladies in the room for whom Mother's Day is a really deep struggle, would you forgive us if we have ever been insensitive to you? For whatever reason that it is, may you know that this is your church family and we care deeply about you, whether you have the title or not. To the ladies in the room who may not have been blessed with children, but have become adoptive moms to so many of us. At last count, I believe there's about 11 ladies around this church that I lovingly call mom. Thank you for loving, caring, supporting, protecting, and caring for us. Thank you for your mother's heart that you've extended to so many of the rest of us here at Christ the King Church. To those of you who've lost a mom over the last year or two, we know today will be tough for you. But may you understand that the God of all peace and the God of all comfort understands your tears today too. So to the ladies in the room, regardless of what category you may fall into, if you have the heart of a mom, we love you today, we support you today, and may you feel unbelievably honored by your family. Would you join me in saying thank you to all of them? That's good. So if I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, and what an amazing thing to watch the baptisms. The ladies were representing at the 10 o'clock. What's up with that? Oh my goodness. Man, guys and all the other services, but for this one, good for you ladies. That's awesome. Uh, so today I'm going to do my best to put some sentences together in my brain and in the time zone that my body is still in. It's, it's, it's midnight. Um, and so I am trying really hard to focus. We just got home from Israel uh, one of the amazing parts about our trip is that my mom and dad actually got to come with us to Israel, got to share some amazing times together there. It was pretty fantastic. Just a few days ago, I walked on the same pavement that Jesus walked on on his way to a hill called Calvary. It's the same stones, they haven't changed. It's the same path. The surroundings have changed to a certain degree, but the stones have not changed. One morning... We, we woke up really, really early. Our guide's name was Sam Marcario. Sam has grown up in Jerusalem his entire life. He's a believer. He loves Jesus with every fiber of his being. And he woke us up early one morning and we did an ancient tour underneath of the western wall of the ancient city of Jerusalem. And, and we walked through these incredible caverns that, that have been unearthed by archaeologists. And we've seen, we got to see history laid out right in front of us. And all of a sudden we popped up into this little ante room almost like a cave, completely hewn out of rock. And everybody got really, really quiet when, when Sam asked me a question. He goes, Grant, do you know where you are? Like, you're standing in the exact spot where Jesus was put on trial. Pilate sat there. Jesus stood where you are. And it just hit me in a wave. My Bible all of a sudden came alive because there's a very awkward conversation that happens between Jesus and Pilate in that moment. Essentially, what happens is a created human being is standing in front of his creator and the created human being actually thinks he's in charge. 
He thinks he's going to define whether or not this man lives or dies. And essentially what Jesus says to him is this. You would have no power over me if it wasn't given to you by my father. Here's my modern translation. Tread lightly, little man. You are not in control of any of this. My father and I know exactly what's happening. You think I'm on trial? Actually, you're on trial. And you're going to be found guilty. And that sucks for you. But I'm going to pay your debt. I'm going to wipe it all away. For everyone who chooses to ask for forgiveness, I'm going to expunge the record and declare them not guilty. We stood in that place. It's known as the, the place of broken pavements. I was actually so moved in that moment. I took a picture of my hand touching the stone where Jesus stood. I'm going to be unpacking a lot of this. I hope you can put up with me for the next couple of months. Because my brain and heart are really full. My legs twitching. I'm just like, ah! So we traced the path that he walked over days. We went from the prison to the place where Jesus was flogged and flesh was torn from his back. We went to the home of the high priest where the false charges of blasphemy were leveled. We followed the way of, the way of sorrows, the Via Della Rosa. Here's a picture of it. It still looks exactly the same. It hasn't changed. As you walk it, you begin to realize how slippery it is. You realize how unbelievably uneven and rough it was. And when you, if you were exhausted and in pain, how difficult it would be. You realize that every step that Jesus took was uphill. With a cross on his back. Some of our team just had a hard time going, well, it's, it's a market. Like there's, there's people doing business all over the place. It's just shops and, and these uneven roads. And I, I, A couple of people asked the question, like, Sam, you know, why is it like this? And he goes, what do you think it was 2,000 years ago? It was a market. There was no Good Friday. There was no Easter celebration. Nobody had any idea. The Romans crucified people every single day. It was just another irreverent, itinerant, bothersome rabbi that was driving people nuts. They were just doing business. That's what they did. He goes, that's what you're experiencing. There's a tension inside of you. We walked through the old city of Jerusalem to an old rugged stone hill. A place that's known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. Here's a picture of it. Anybody see like a couple of eye sockets? And yeah, it just hits you. We traced the steps of our Savior Jesus Christ. We, we were forced to picture him hanging uh, on a human torture stick, suspended between the heaven and the earth that he had created, paying the price of sin for all of mankind. And because we just wrapped up Easter, because the words of Good Friday were still ringing inside of my brain. The seven cries of the cross. And I began to look back historically and I realized there was one cry of the cross from John chapter 19 that I have never preached on before ever. Because honestly, I didn't know what to do with it. It's an awkward conversation. It's kind of stuck right in the middle. And, and, and I, I never preached it because I just like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It just seemed kind of awkward. But as I had the, the amazing honor and privilege of walking in the footsteps of Jesus, and just so you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have another informational meeting, because there's a whole bunch of people in this room, you need to come on a trip with me. You, you just need to come. But as you're walking on the footsteps of Jesus, you, 
you're forced to feel the pain and kind of marry it into the environment. And you feel the anguish and the physical pain. It's just magnified in being there. And it's amazing. As, as you picture Jesus paying for your sin, racked in pain, in the center of all of these little mini statements that he makes, there's actually a conversation. It kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. John chapter 19, verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus. So he's actually on it spiked to it, exhausted from being flogged, a crown of thorns on his head. So near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, so he's on the cross looking down, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, a disciple by the name of John, they were close, he said to her, to his mom. Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Okay, let's do a quick sidebar. Quick question for you. When you are in deep pain, I'm not talking you hit your thumb with a hammer kind of pain. I'm talking about you're in deep pain like I think I'm going to throw up or pass out kind of pain. Do you think about your mommy? Some of you are like, yes, I do, right? It's just like... <laughs> I want my mommy to come and help me. I mean, I'm seriously, when you're in that kind of pain, years ago, um, I had a little bit of an accident. I, I sliced my foot open, the bottom of my foot open on a piece of fiberglass. Went to the ER. The nurse was from Christ the King, of course, which is the way it is. And she's standing there holding a syringe full of, of anesthetic. And she said, Grant, here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a lot of nerves in the bottom of the human foot. And in a moment, I'm going to stick this needle into those nerves and this is the closest you're ever going to come as a man to experiencing something even relatively close to the pain of childbirth. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Bring it on. Let's say, all right. She stuck that needle in my foot, and I thought, like, I lost my salvation for a few minutes. I mean, it was not a pretty moment in that room. But I remember this very specifically. In that much pain, I was not thinking about Shirley Fishbook. <laughs> my mom was not in my brain at all. You know, I said the word mommy a few times, but that was, you know, not related, okay? I'm saying bad words. I'm gritting my teeth. I'm trying to get through it. In the midst of pain, I did not think about my mom. But Jesus did. Let me read it again so it sinks in. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to his disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his own. Okay, now, be careful with tone, right? Because we read the words of Jesus, and they almost seem a little cold, right? Like, how many of you call your mom woman, right? You probably did once, right? <laughs> right? Like, nah, nah, nah. All right? You got to be careful with the tone so that you really understand it. When Jesus saw his mom and John there, he says this word to her. He says, woman. Now, I want to remind you, Jesus spoke Aramaic, not English. The word that he uses is giverit. It's a very special word. The Aramaic word giverit could be given to either a male or a female. It's gender neutral. 
But whoever you gave it to, it would always be used as a term of endearment to a parent that you loved very, very deeply. If my daughter McKenna walked into the room right now and I said, hi, Kenna, she'd say, hi, Daddy. It's Giveret. Whenever my 20-year-old son sees his mom and hugs her, he doesn't call her mom. He calls her mommy. Giveret. Whatever term you would use to refer to one of your parents who you deeply loved and were connected with, that is Giveret. That's the word that Jesus used. So whatever lovingly way you call your mom or your dad, whether it's papa or mom or mum, if you're a Canadian, okay? I mean, however that goes for you, when it's said with deep abiding love, that's the word Giveret. That little statement kind of changes, doesn't it? Giveret, here's your new son. John, this is Giveret. It's just deepened the understanding. Because you wonder, why did Jesus place that statement alongside of these other unbelievably profound statements? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And it is finished. Right in the middle of those is this conversation where he says, Give at it. You have a new family. You know, Jesus talking to his mom, there is a statement of commission. I know you don't have an outline All you've got is a piece of paper that says God is Yeshua, which is the Jewish name for Jesus. That's all I could do coming home, all right? We made the decision before we got on the airplane, all right? So I know we haven't got all kinds of stuff all over the screens. Just stick with me, all right? It's a statement of commission. Jesus is commissioning Mary to love John like a son. He's commissioning John to love Mary like his own mother. This is what he's saying to his family members. Love one another. Care for one another. Protect one another. You know what? Jesus is saying the same thing to you. If you're estranged from your family, this is what Jesus would say to you. Love one another. Care for one another. Protect each other. If you've got an issue with your mom, forgive her. Release the debt. Don't hold on to it in the bottom of your soul anymore. And I can see some of you, your body language, as soon as I say that, the body language changes. Like, I would do that if they would just ask. Is that the order Jesus did it in? 2,000 years ago, he's like, Father, forgive them. Them. They don't understand what they're doing. Did Jesus wait for you to ask? He pronounced forgiveness. He was the first one, and that's what he's saying to us. Love each other. Protect each other. I mean, he's commissioning his family. Just like Jesus commissioned all of the people who've been baptized. We're going to baptize about 40 people this weekend. Every single one of them accepted a commission. Jesus said, repent and be baptized. They're obeying his commission. They're obeying it. Here, Jesus is commissioning his own family, and he's saying for us to do exactly the same thing. Be the one to go home this afternoon and pick up the phone. Be the one to write the letter. Be the one to reconcile. Why? Because when we do that, we send a message to our family and the world that we're willing to do what Jesus tells us to do. The Bible says the world will know we're followers of Jesus by the way we love one another. It also says, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. One of the commandments is honor your father and mother, whether they were honorable or not. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's not a polite suggestion. It's a command. 
Because God knows if you do, you'll be blessed. You hold somebody else in contempt. You know who suffers? You do. Jesus is painting a beautiful example here. I'm going to commission you to love one another. And it transcends time and centuries and locations right up to this moment. This little statement, woman, give it. Here is your son. It's also a statement of protection. You know, nobody really knows what happened to the earthly father of, of Jesus, whose name was Joseph. He just kind of disappears out of the Bible. Culturally, it's believed that he died very early in the life of Jesus, which is why we find Mary always in close proximity to her son, because he would have been given the responsibility to look after her. But when you imagine this moment, you've lost your husband and now your son is hanging on a cross. In that moment, Mary is being exposed to the worst of human humanity. I mean, at that time, widows without sons were without support, without protection. They were completely vulnerable because there was nobody there to love them and care for them. Many of them died of starvation. I believe it's why Jesus had such a, a precious place in his heart for those who were vulnerable. You know, we've got a young lady in our church who really, really cares about the most vulnerable of our society. I introduced her to you last year by video. Her name is Zeri. Zeri has taken it as her own mission to protect the lives of unborn children here in Whatcom County. Uh, Zeri, how old are you? She's 12. Okay? She's 12 years old, and she works on our church's behalf with the Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic, which not only wants and seeks to protect the life of unborn children, but also wants to reach out to women who are contemplating having an abortion and letting them know that Jesus loves them. And that there's room to heal and a place of love and acceptance when that decision is faced. So I introduced Zeri to you last year. And this year again, she's the church rep because the Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic, a ministry that we love and support here at Christ the King, is doing their walk for life. There's just something that makes my heart go, yes, when I tell people our church rep for the walk for life is 12. That's awesome. So she's going to come and hang out with me for a little Jerry, come here. Hey, kiddo. Welcome. Last year we put her on video. This year I said we're going to step up the game, right? So this is the 10 o'clock crowd. They're not that scary, you know. They're happy, well caffeinated, um, somewhat smiling, which is always awesome. So, uh, Zary, tell us, where do you go to school? Bellingham Christian School. You go to Bellingham Christian School. And I, I have a question for you. So uh, when is the Walk for Life and where does it actually happen? The Walk for Life is next Saturday. And... You go to Abundant Life Church, and then you walk around Cornwall Park, and you come back to the church. Okay, awesome. Abundant Life, great church. Pastor Jonathan, amazing, good friend, Pastor Jonathan Hansen. And so they use that as the location. You're going to go out and make the, make the loop. Uh, let me ask you something. So you are a 12-year-old girl. Um, why in the world are you, have you dedicated yourself to this mission? Why do you walk every single year? Because I believe that Jesus loves everyone, and... I want to be like Jesus because if Jesus loves everyone, then I should too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And all God's people said, there you go, that's awesome. So last year, you actually had people sponsor you. We, you were out in the commons, people were sponsoring all the rest of it. Um, how much money did you raise last year? $5,300. bucks. okay. And this year, you've upped your game just a little bit, and you're actually calling people to take another big step forward. What's your goal this year? 7000 7000 that's what she's looking for, okay? So how can people get involved? How can, we, how can we help you, or what can we do personally in order to get involved in protecting the most vulnerable in Whatcom County? There's three things you can do. You can sponsor me, and I'll be out in the commons, and then you can go to the walk, or you can just raise pledges on your own and get money for that way. Okay, awesome. Zary's looking for people that can cross the line of good intention and actually become involved in the cause that she really cares about. It's the same heart of Jesus wanting to protect his mom, just like Zary wants to protect unborn children and, and let people know that are considering this, both the women who may be making the consideration and, and if there's a guy involved, whether or not they're going to actually be complicit with the decision as well, to understand that God has a special heart for life and that there are other alternatives. And so this is an amazing opportunity, and this is an amazing kid, and I'm just so excited that she had an opportunity. So she's going to be in the comments, out and to your left. Um, she'll, she'll tackle you if you try to get past her, just so you know. Uh, but can we say thanks to Zeri for coming up and just kind of sharing her mission? God bless you, kiddo. Thank you. I love that. I've got to wrap this up. So this little statement, give her it, here's your son. A statement of commission, a statement of protection, and finally, it's a state of compassion. It basically says, John, you've got a new mom. I'm looking after you. Mary, you have a new son. I'm looking after you. I'm not going to be physically present, so I'm making sure that both of you have opened your hearts to be able to receive and give love in ways that you've never experienced before. Several years ago, Laurel and I were challenged to have that kind of love lived out in our own hearts. I get caught sometimes because people ask me, how many kids do you have? And I freak them out when I say six. Because I have two biological kids, Brayden's 20, McKenna's 18. But we have four other children as a part of our family too. Years ago, about, actually about 14 years ago, we sponsored a little boy by the name of Janelle who lives in Manila in the Philippines. He became a part of our family. We loved him. I cannot believe he's almost 20 going into university. He and Braden have stayed very close over the years, just talking back and forth. We sponsored Janelle because we really felt like we'd been blessed. And so we wanted to be a blessing to somebody on the other side of the world, somebody who needed a giveret to step in their life. As time went along, we thought, you know, we're a family of four, and we're unbelievably blessed, and we drink a lot of coffee, maybe we needed to redirect some of that. So we sponsored three more. So we've got four, one for every member of our family. I've got a little boy in Ethiopia. His name is Badasso. He's nothing. He's like spit vinegar and attitude. I mean, every picture I get from him, he's always like, he's got swagger, you know. <laughs> he's going to change the world. McKenna and Laurel both have little girls that, that they love. And we have welcomed them into our family, even though we've never had an opportunity to meet them. My question to you is on this Mother's Day, could it be that God will tap you on the shoulder and say, I need you to be giveret to a child on the other side of the world? This is a high challenge environment. If you don't like this, it's probably not a good church for you. 
But this weekend, not only is Zary in the commons, but as you walk out and turn to your left, you're going to see two organizations that I've worked with personally. I've traveled to the other side of the world with both of them. The first organization is Kidstown. We love Kidstown because they're local. They're right here. Matt Smith, the director and president, is here today. And Matt is just an amazing guy. I've traveled to India with him. On Matt's table are a number of envelopes. We're keying in on, on one orphanage or one home in India. The children that are orphans in the Indian culture are considered outcasts. They're the lowest of the low. We talked in the God Is series about at some level how people believe that they basically deserve what they've got. We don't think Jesus thinks that way. These children not only have that weight on their shoulders, but they have another weight. Not because of anything they did, but every single one of them is HIV positive. And they need somebody to be a giver to them. And I don't care if I have to guilt and manipulate you. I will do whatever I have to to open your heart to being a blessing to somebody that you will never meet. But I'll tell you what, those kids know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, someday you will get to meet them. So Kids Town is out there. Also there is a, a, a place called, or an, uh, an organization called Compassion International. Every time we have an opportunity to sponsor kids, we get the question, do you have any kids from Africa? Because some people's hearts beat for Africa. Or South America, because some people's hearts beat for South America. We have given you a global opportunity to sponsor a child today and change their life. If you go to the Compassion Table, you're going to see kids from Africa and Central America. If you go to the Kidstown area, you're going to see kids from India, Romania, and Nepal. I mean, they're all there. Looking for a giver. I just wonder whether or not today Jesus, because of the example he set on the cross, is tugging on your heart saying, Giver, this is your new son or daughter. The God that I serve is big enough to be tapping kids in India on the shoulder and saying, Son or daughter, I just found you a giver in Bellingham, Washington. I love these organizations. The reasons we work with them is because I know that the money that you give doesn't get filtered away in all kinds of administrative costs. It actually goes to the children. That's why we work with these guys. And I just want to challenge you. Some of you are like, I sponsor already. Is God asking you to do more? I've never sponsored before. Is God asking you to cross the line? I mean, how amazing would it be on a Mother's Day weekend that we could become givers? to children all over the country, all over the world. So years ago, I traveled with compassion to Africa. Some of you will probably be able to tell this story because I've shared it here multiple times. I'm sitting on a bench in Africa, just completely transfixed by the fact that I'm in Africa. And I realized that there's somebody sitting on the bench with me. And down at the other end of the bench is a little tiny African boy who's sitting there smiling at me. When I made eye contact with him, he stood up and he said, would you like to hear my memory verse? I said, I would love to hear your memory verse. He goes, but these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I clapped for him because it was awesome. Then he sat down and he began to slide across the bench towards me. And he asked me, where have you seen it? Where have you seen faith in Africa? And I said, I saw faith in a church that loved people enough to create an AIDS clinic 
to touch people that nobody else wanted to touch. So they took a step of faith and God's used them. He said, where have you seen hope in Africa? He said, I saw hope in Dandora Baptist Church on the outskirts of, of Nairobi, Kenya. Who, where back in the 1980s there was political unrest and riots broke out in the area. And don't judge them because we have riots here too. But in their case, when the mob started heading towards the church and were burning all of the buildings, the people from the community came out and made a human shield around the church and said, you can burn whatever you want to, but you will not burn this church because this is where they feed the children. And God touched me in the heart and said, Grant, if Bellingham was burning, would anybody come and encircle Christ the King because they, you made such an impact in their life. And it gave me hope that no matter what it takes, we're going to be that lighthouse. He said, where have you seen love in Africa? Where haven't I seen love? He said, my name is Evans. I'm like, hi, Evans. He said, are you Matt? No, I am not Matt. Are you from Canada? Actually, originally I am. So Matt from Canada is my sponsor. It's my giveret. And then he laid his head down in my lap, took my hand and put it on the top of his head, which is a sign of blessing in Africa, and said, you are not Matt from Canada, but today you are Matt, and I love you. And he wrecked me. the heart in the hands of Jesus, connecting people. Mother, here's your son. Son, here's your giveret. And on this Mother's Day, God's doing exactly the same thing. The question is, will we have the heart of Jesus too? So before you go over to your mom's place, with a nice bouquet of flowers or a card, and hug her and say, thank you, mom. My question is, is God on a global level calling you to be giveret to some child somewhere on the other side of the world? The answer to that question is not between me and you. It's between you and the Jesus who underwent a trial, stood quietly in front of Pilate, helped Pilate understand who was in control and who was not. Dragged across through an old market to a place called Calvary where he was suspended between the heaven and the earth that he created just so you could have the opportunity to experience the love of God and pay it forward. Let's pray. God, thank you for jet lag and baptisms. Thank you for worship and thank you for moms. Thank you that you had this conversation on the cross. May we never look at it the same again. God, may we not be the kind of people who hear a need and then just walk on by. 
But Lord, would you touch us in the deepest part of who we are. May we be the kind of people that would not only say we act like you, but would actually act like you. I thank you for your love and concern for your mom. May we be inspired that today as we contemplate whether we could be giveret to a child on the other side of the world. And in doing so, may this be a blessed and happy Mother's Day. We give you blessings today as the God of all creation. Because God is Yeshua, our Savior. And we pray these things in your name. All God's people said, Amen.